Pray with me. Lord, thank you for today. Open our hearts, open our eyes to what you're going to do in our service. And Lord, may we reap the benefits of the scriptures and what they want to say to us today. Lord, let there be a holy assignment, a motivation that comes today to all of us. Understanding, God, there's a battle that is to be fought and won for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter 23, we're in our series, Line of David. Uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about King David and, and something about his story, but I'm going to talk a lot about what that means to me and you practically. The title of today's message is Becoming a Spiritual Warrior or Spiritual Warrior. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, we see this list of mighty men who fought with King David. I was talking to my son this past week about it, and it kind of reads like a Viking television show. I mean, it's, these guys are really impressive. But the thing about it is, is as impressive as each one of them was, King David impressed all of them because King David was the giant slayer. So we're about to read about these mighty men, and I, I don't want you to lose the impact of what's gonna, what this is going to mean to me and you as we talk about being our own spiritual warrior in the sake of the fight between darkness and light today. David's mightiest warriors, verse 8 says, 2 Samuel 23, starting in verse 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jehoshaphat, a Hakamite who was the leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Spear, not a machine gun. Next in rank among was the three was Eleazar, son of Dodiah, a descendant of Ahoah. Once Eleazar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. He killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. A more literal translation of that is he fought so long and so hard holding his sword that his hand froze to his sword. Have you ever worked using a tool or a hammer or something like that and, and you've been using it so much that your hand kind of conforms to that tool? That's what was happening. They fought for hours against the Philistines, Eleazar along with King David. And it says the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. <laughs> so catch that. Everybody ran away except David and Eleazar. They fought and won, and then the army waiting in the bushes said, Oh, coast is clear, let's go get our stuff. Horrible, right? But this was one of David's mighty men. In verse 11, next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi, from Harar, 
One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi to attack the Israelites in a field of, full of lentils. The Israelite army fled. Notice a pattern here. But Shema held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines, so the Lord brought a, about a great victory. Going down to verse 18. Abishai, son of Zeruah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. So David had the three, and then he had the 30. He once used a spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. So it's not as impressive because we just read about the 800 killer guy, and now we're at the 300 killer guy, but guys, it's 300, and it's a spear. That's a lot of whoop, 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 right? I mean, I'm picturing him throwing them and catching like 10 in a row, pop, 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 pop. And maybe running on the other side and catching it. I don't know. I'm sorry, my mind just went to like a Bollywood type movie situation. Amazing warrior. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. Verse 20 there was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabil's. Kabzil. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Now, when the Bible tells us two champions, they're talking about the biggest, strongest warriors, as was their custom a lot of times that we learned about in the story of Goliath. They would send out the champion, and instead of the whole army fighting, the champions would just fight. So this guy didn't just go slay one champion. He slayed two just to make it stick. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. This guy, bored, I don't know. He's just sitting there, lion walks by, hey, I got nothing going. That's going to be good for later. Remember the lion, verse 21, once... Uh, another story, once armed with only a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Benaiah had a club. The Egyptian giant warrior had a spear. So you see here that the mighty warriors of King David, they weren't no slouches. They were powerful, they were fighters, but most importantly, God was with them. On your note sheets, you've got characteristics of a spiritual warrior. Number one, loyal to king and cause. You want to be a spiritual warrior, you have to first understand that you've got to be loyal. Loyal to your king, and his name is Jesus. Loyal to his cause, which is to reach the lost to go and disciple, to go and baptize, to go into all the world, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his cause. Also to go in and to take the enemy and put him in his rightful place, which is loser. Become a spiritual warrior, you've got to be loyal to king and cause. Notice all of the enemy fled. I mean, all of Israel fled, and David was left with Eleazar, one guy. But together they stood. Let me tell you something. 
If you stand with Jesus, you're always standing on the winning side. Let everybody else run away, but you stay beside Jesus. Amen? Something good there. Number two, characteristics of a spiritual warrior is fight, not fright. Fight, not fright. Our tendency as humans, our tendency as people, and my tendency too, I'm with you, is to give up when things get hard. When things get too challenging and when things are, are, are too crazy, we want to take a step back. We want to give up. But in order to be a spiritual warrior, we've got to fight, not fright. We can't live in fear. Number three, characteristics of a spiritual warrior, weapons experts. Your weapons are spiritual weapons. But let's look at a few of these. The spear. As we learned about these men that use these different weapons, we learned the one that killed 800 with a spear and the other that killed 300 with a spear and the other that had a club and took the guy's spear. We see the spear. It's a weapon that if you think about it and you look at it, it's a weapon to be thrown. Like a sling that David used to kill Goliath, it is a weapon of accuracy and of long distance. I would say the spear is the intercessory weapon of spiritual warfare. It's the weapon that is constant that we can attack enemies that we have not even yet found. It's a weapon of long distance and it's a weapon of accuracy. It's the weapon of praying in the spirit when we don't know how to pray. How many of you guys understand that praying in tongues is a gift that God has given all believers that we all can do? That's why tonight we're going to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And along with that comes that gift. Can I tell you something? When you begin to pray in the Spirit, you begin to sense that, man, I'm making some headway here. And the Spirit of the Lord can pray way more effectively through you than the words that you can parse together in your own mind. Weapons experts, you've got to know your sword. The sword is a weapon to be wielded in close quarters. If the spear didn't get them, the sword will. The Bible tells us that this is our sword. And when we feel the enemy beginning to creep up and come on like a flood, God promises to raise up a standard. But I'm telling you something, if you don't have your weapon in your hand and if you don't have the word in your heart, you will lose. Be full of this. That is your sword. The third one, and I'm going to help some of you guys who feel very unprepared and feel very underqualified. Weapons experts, the third one we found out is about the club. My father used to keep a weapon by his bed. Some people keep guns, some people keep, I don't know, whatever, I was going to say knives. I don't know if anybody keeps a knife by their bed. Anyway, my daddy had a baseball bat. And that's all, he, that's all he needed. It leaned right up against I actually have one now. I do. Baseball bat. It's a club. It will do damage. And you don't have to be very skilled. Can you say amen? You just swing it. <laughs> it could be dark. Right? You're going to hit something that's not supposed to be there. And if they are... <laughs> 
<laughs> the club is to bring pain. It brings stopping power if it's put in the right hands. At the end of the day, friend, you may not be skilled to be an intercessor and to throw a spear and to be very targeted in, your, in the way you pray and in spiritual warfare. You may not know the Word of God the way you feel like you need to know it yet, but keep learning it. But you may feel like, I don't have a bunch of scriptures memorized. Let me tell you something. God can put a club in your hand and an anointing on your life that you can go and slay an Egyptian giant and take his spear. All you have to do is be willing to fight alongside of Jesus. He's already won. He's already won the battle. He's already won the war. We just have to be willing to step out there and say, Lord, use me to fight. Characteristics of a spiritual warrior, loyal to king and cause, fight not frightened, weapons expert. Second part of your note sheets, and this is where we're going to get practical and apply it to our lives today. I have an objective that I'd like to share with you. I want, I want to commission everybody in here today to be a part of the spiritual army that God is raising up. And that's where we're going. So let me talk to you about becoming a spiritual warrior. Pay attention. I believe God has something for you today. In order to become a spiritual warrior, you must first, number one, know your authority. You must first know your authority. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Our authority comes from Jesus. And in verse 17, it says, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. What name is that? Jesus. They will speak in new languages. The Bible says tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. They will drink anything, po they, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Some Pentecostal churches in the back mountains of Virginia, or somewhere, I don't know, just insert a state that has back mountains, got the snake thing all wrong. All wrong. But this scripture is pointing to what happened in the book of Acts when Paul put his hand in the fire and the viper bit him. And he was able to turn back and say, the scripture said that a serpent wouldn't harm me. This scripture was able to give uh, credit, precedence, credentials to the experience that Paul had in the book of Acts that saved the whole island. The scripture is also not just talking about snakes as they crawl around wiggly-woggly. The devil is a serpent. And you have authority over him. Know your authority. We have authority over sickness. And Mark chapter 16 just said, in Luke chapter 10, 19, authority over sickness. Does that count COVID? Yeah. Is that sickness? We have authority over it. Friend, we have authority over sickness. Huh. And if it kills my body, I'll be with him. Right? It tried to. 
Luke chapter 10, 19. Here's another scripture about our authority. Look, I've given you authority over all of the power of the enemy. How much power of the enemy do we have authority over? All of it. In Jesus' name. You see, you cannot operate in authority if you don't know what you have authority over. We have authority over all of the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes. There it is again in scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Know your authority. We have authority over evil spirits. Friend, we have authority to break curses. God help us. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of people feeling like they're just who they are because they've got a family history of that. My Bible tells me that we have authority over curses and all power of the enemy. And that curse that came from the enemy can be broken when you realize you have authority over it in Jesus. You can break the curse. Galatians 3.13 But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on a cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written that everyone who is hung on a tree, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Speaking of that cross, verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed us. The Gentiles are the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Christ rescued us from the curse. You can break curses in Jesus' name. Isaiah 54. No weapon. We get excited about that verse. Isaiah 54, 17 says, In that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. But the next phrase is just as good to me. You will silence every voice raised up against you. (laughs) You will silence every voice that's raised up against you. When the devil says you can't, when the devil says you're not good enough, when the devil says you've made too many mistakes, you will silence by your authority in the name of Jesus every voice raised up against you. Not only will no weapon prosper, but no voice can be heard. It's raised up against you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. That sounds pretty concrete. Romans 8, 2 reminds us that the Spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. We have authority to break curses. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus declares, I have given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus has given us the authority in this life and in this earth to do his will. We have forgotten all about it. 
Number two, becoming a spiritual warrior, we have to know your enemy. I've often said the devil gets too much credit, but we do need to know his schemes, his methods, in order for us to win the battles that we face. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion, <laughs> seeking whom he may devour. Can I, can I talk to you for a minute? He walks around like a roaring lion. You know what lions attack? The weak and the separated. And far too long, Christians have said, I don't need a church family. And the devil's watching you because you're alone, waiting. And far too long, people have said, I can't go be a part of a church. And maybe you haven't some of these objections from people that you know. I can't go be a part of a church because I haven't got my life figured out. Be careful because the devil is watching and waiting because you're the sick one by yourself. And that's the one the lion will attack. You know what we're called to do? Like Benaiah, when the lion comes a-walking by, we chase him into a pit and kill him. <laughs> Come on. Not when the lion walks by, oh, hope he doesn't see me. No, we are called to be a spiritual warrior in this battle. When we see the lion against our family and our friends, against our finances and against our spiritual walk, when we see the lion roaming around our homes, we are to attack in Jesus' name because we have the authority over all of the power and the work of the enemy. It's high time that we attack the lion and stop letting him attack us. Lions come and they, they attack in secret, surprise attack at your weakest moment. There's two ways to fix that. Number one, be ready at all times. Number two, stop having your weakest moments. Pastor, how to do that? Know your sword. Carry it with you. Always have it in the sheath, ready to go. If you don't have your sword, you're already in a weak moment. I'm not here to beat up any of y'all. I'm here to encourage you to win. No one likes losing, right? Know your enemy. Another example of how the enemy operates is in the garden. He's the serpent. He's crafty. He plays on your desires. Fools you. As he came to Eve in the garden and Adam stood by, he tempted them by saying, you can become like God. He's a serpent, a literal snake in the grass, trying his best to whisper and call you to things that you know you shouldn't be about anyway. Be aware of that. Know your enemy. 2 Corinthians, verse 11. 2 Corinthians verse 11. I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. The third thing about your enemy, the devil, the way he operates is he deceives us as an angel of light. 
Listen, astrology is not something that you need to be worried about. Don't worry about where the stars are today. Worry about the creator of the stars. Hello? Witchcraft is hidden. Used to be it was hidden very well, but nowadays it's out in your face. Twisting things, this world has twisted things like the word love that is clearly defined in 1 Corinthians 13 and has nothing to do with the things that the world says it has to do with. And they'll say something like love is love. Well, love is love is defined in 1 Corinthians 13. It says it's patient and it's kind and it doesn't boast and it's not proud. See, you, the enemy comes to deceive as an angel of light and 2 Corinthians 11 Chapter 11, verse 13 says, These people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised, Paul says. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Be careful who you listen to. Know your sword, because if it doesn't line up with this, you shouldn't be given it any credit. Unfortunately, there's just as many podcasts out there that are twisting scriptures as are teaching scriptures. Be careful. Know your enemy. Know that he's the father of lies. You know what God says about you? He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the hairs on your head. He's numbered them. While you were in the womb, he has created a great plan for your life. That's what the scripture says about you. The devil wants you to believe the lie that says you shouldn't even deserve to live anymore because of the mistakes that you've made and because of who you are. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And the devil wants to kill your soul. And the best way he can get to your soul is he can kill your body by making you feel like you should take it. Only God decides when we go yeah he's the father of lies John chapter 8 verse 44 Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says for you are children of the the Pharisees were the religious leaders for you are the children of your father the devil and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So not only is Jesus talking about the devil, but he's talking, about to, the, he's talking to the religious leaders that have forgotten about the relationship with God and made it more about traditions and religion. And saying, you're aligning with the father of lies. Why? What is the big deal? You see, what was happening here is he was calling them out because they were misinterpreting Scripture. My Bible says that no one should add anything to this. Friend, if you know of someone or have been exposed to something where let me just call it out for a moment. That, yeah, we got the Bible, but we also have, yeah, 
Yeah, we got the Bible, but it's our unique translation. Because people made mistakes, and so we had to re reword some things. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we got the Bible, but also what the leader of the church says is on the same level as Scripture. And no, it ain't. You know who the leader of the church is? Jesus, the head of the body. It's so sad to me that people have put their faith in secondary things, in cheap knockoffs of the one true Savior. Can I tell you something that the Pope never did? Die for you. Can I tell you something that Joseph Smith never did? Die for you. Can I tell you something about the God of Islam? His name is Allah. You trace it all the way back, it's the same thing as Baal. It's a demon. Because anytime you have to do this and this and this to earn that and maybe you won't even get it, anytime people are killing themselves so they can go to heaven, church, aren't you thankful that Jesus is the head of this body, the head of this church? But it breaks my heart because people are so confused. But that's why we got to be about the fight. Know your enemy. Your enemy is also the accuser of the brethren. Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, we see in the courts of heaven, Satan walking around and saying, consider your servant Job. You see, he wanted to wreak havoc on Job's life. He wanted to accuse him and said, if you just let me test him, I know he'll turn his back on you. You see, we look at that story and say, oh my goodness, how Job suffered. Why would God allow anything like that to happen? How many times have you heard a message preached about Job's suffering and it has encouraged you in your lowest moments? Because God is faithful. You see, Job knew, uh, God knew Job would not turn his back on him. Know your enemy. Let me tell you something about the devil. If you read that passage in Job chapter 1, you learn a few things. He's not as powerful as you think he is. He's accountable to God. He has to get permission. <laughs> Let that encourage you today. Hey, God, can I mess with him? You know what? I believe, that, I believe that God is in control and he's sovereign over all things. And even in my suffering, he's accomplishing something. While I didn't suffer like Job, I believe that in my suffering, he accomplished something in my own life. Yeah? He is accountable to God. He has to have permission. The devil can only be in one place at one time. So many times we get so caught up with finding the devil behind every bush. And sometimes it ain't him at all. We're just being stupid. Right? We're just making bad decisions. 
The argument of the devil made me do it won't hold water at the great white throne. He cannot read minds. He doesn't know what you're thinking. And he cannot tell the future. The reason why he's fighting so hard is because your future as a believer in Christ is secure in him. And he's fighting for everything he can to pull you away. And the people that you love, he's trying to take them with him. Misery loves company. Number three, know your arsenal. Your arsenal. Know your arsenal. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. You should be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. If we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. Stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere, pray for me, Paul says. God, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan to the good news for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Know your arsenal, the sword of the Spirit, the armor of God. The third part of the arsenal that is far too long ignored is the angelic armies at our disposal. Jer Jeremiah 33, 22 says this about angelic armies. They are too large to be counted like the sands on the seashore. Angelic armies at your disposal and at mine. Psalm 91, 11 talks about these angelic armies. Daniel chapter 4 talks about watchers that God has sent to watch over what is happening. They are the doers, the messengers, the protectors of the people of God. For every demon, God has an angel, but not just one, many. We are at least two-thirds stronger than the kingdom of darkness. And even more than that, we have God on our side. <laughs> God knows, he sees, he intervenes when he's asked according to his purpose in this world. You cannot be prideful enough to consider that if I pray, that the angel will do whatever I want him to do. No, I didn't say that. But God will commission his angels on, angels on your behalf when you're walking with him and doing what he's called you to. Amen? Don't walk out of here thinking that you're going to call down angels on your neighbor because they're not doing the HOA thing that they're supposed to do and you emailed about. <laughs> Send your angels, Lord. What, what are you? 
angelic armies. We've forgotten about that. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the armor of God, armor of God. But what we've forgotten is that the war in the heavenlies is happening all around us. When we're experiencing something, there's a spiritual battle going on around us. I'm calling you as a church today to enlist, become a spiritual warrior, start praying right now. We've had several weeks here of what's felt like heavy warfare in the spirit. And I'm calling you today, commissioning, asking, recruiting, join the battle. Become a spiritual warrior for the sake of the kingdom and its work here in this place. What I believe will happen is if I can just get 50 more people to start praying, we're going to see more breakthroughs than we've ever seen before. But what I'm asking is that every soul in here signs up today. When you leave, you'll get one of these. All you have to do is scan the little doolally with your phone. That's it. And say, I don't know how to scan a doolally. Write your name on the back and drop it at the info center. Scan it. What will happen is you'll be added to an email list. I'll be sending a video out in the first part of the week that will encourage you. And then on a monthly basis, at least once a month, we're gonna send prayer needs that we're facing. And from time to time, there'll be an emergency call for prayer. I know y'all get Old Navy emails, Disney Plus emails. I know y'all get sales and ads, and I know y'all get all this stuff in your email box. You be looking at it. I'm asking your email to do something eternal. Will you respond? Enlist today. Become a spiritual warrior on your way out. Let me give you a couple of points of training. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to pray for your church family and your own family every single day. Every single day. What does that look like? Doesn't mean that you have to go lock yourself into the war room, if you've seen that movie, in the closet, and pray for hours on end. But it means when the Holy Spirit brings it to mind, you say, Lord, protect my church. You're going to pray for three things. Protection, power, and presence. Protect my church, God. Protect my family. Lord, may your power be on display at my church, and may your power be on display in my family. Lord, may your presence never leave my church, and may your presence never leave my family. That's simply it. Protection, power, and presence. And if we will pray those three things on a daily basis and become spiritual warriors, then I believe that God will do in the heavenly realms what none of us can do in the earthly realm. And it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic or there's persecution, we're going to be able to stand strong when everybody else wavers. It's an opportunity to fight like David fought. To have your hand literally freeze to your sword because you're slaying so many enemies. To take out spiritual giants with a club. If we are faithful in battle, then what, what we will see is that God will send more warriors, mightier warriors than we've ever experienced in the spirit. Many years ago, I had a vision. Some of you may not know, we were used to meet in a storefront just down the road at Food Line. And I had a vision during a worship service that everybody in that room 
immediately was wearing a suit of armor and they stood and marched towards the platform. And then they marched through the back wall of the platform and from there went to all the corners of the community. And I believe today is a realization and a fruition of that vision that today you become a warrior for Jesus and you walk out of here and go back to where you live and set up shop to fight the battle. Today is the day we pick up the sword. Today is the day we begin to fight. And here's what God did for David, and I believe that he's going to do for us. Verse, uh, tw- uh, chapter 12, verse 22. Catch this. Of 1 Chronicles 12, 22. Day after day, more men joined David until he had a great army. Like the army of God. You see, when there was a determination to begin to fight, all of the neighboring towns, all of the warriors begin to learn that David is anointed by God and God wins. And the warriors said, I want to be on that team. And I believe if we will begin to fight and if we will say we'll be warriors, then God will begin to raise up something, a light, a beacon in this place where people will be attracted to it. And I'm praying and believing that what happened for David will happen for us. Day after day, more will join this army until we have an army like the army of the Most High God. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we pray right now, today, right now, that there will be a motivation, a holy rumbling within our hearts. That this week, as we pray, we begin to see breakthroughs like never before. Folks in our church that have been struggling with things and just can't get free. That the power of prayer of many will begin to break curses and loose chains that have been there for far too long. And God, you would do something so amazing that the Pentecostal fire would wash over us and that we would burn, burn, Lord, with the desire to win victory after victory to defeat demon after demon until you call us home. Lord, may our hand hold the sword, the word of God in our hearts, ready to fight until we can't fight anymore. Lord Jesus, as a church we declare, we'll stand with you when everyone else runs away. Because victory is in you. And Lord, as Peter said, when you asked if he would desert you, Lord, he said, where else will we go? (laughs) For you have the words of life. So today, Jesus, look upon your army. (laughs) 
of spiritual warriors. And may your blessing, your favor, your anointing walk with us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're walking out, our ushers here, you guys got a stack? Well, you got to get right there at that door too. Everybody get one of these, please. On the way out, please get one of these and sign up, please.